Hello and welcome back to Family Law, a case for children. Today I will be introducing you to the Normans, not the next door neighbors, but the Normans, Normans. But before that, I will briefly mention a few of the Anglo-Saxon kings. Although for the purpose of this podcast, the Anglo-Saxon era has ended. However, they will be mentioned again in subsequent episodes, but they will not be the main focus. One of the better known Anglo-Saxon kings was Alfred the Great, who reigned from 871 to 899. He believed that law and order was important for the people. An example of this in practice was where one was accused of a crime, they had to appear in front of a village moot. A moot was a communal meeting place especially set aside for the courts and other bodies who dealt with administration and the running of the countryside. Moots were held in the open air, but over time, They moved to halls and meeting houses within villages, a little more sophisticated. If the accused did not appear at the moot, he was declared an outlaw and could be killed by anyone. If the accused appeared before the moot, but he could not find enough oath helpers, He would be tried by ordeal, which I mentioned in the previous episode. Oath helpers were people willing to swear that he was innocent. And this is so reflective of our jury system now, because you need 12 lay people who listen to the case and give a verdict. I mean, it's completely different. He actually had to find those people, but it's very reflective. It just goes to show nothing is new under the sun. There would be 16 kings between 899 and 1066. Among the 16 kings was King Ethelstan, who reigned between 924 and 939. He was the first Saxon king to have ruled over the whole of England. By 955, there were three separate kingdoms in England. They were Wessex, Northumbria and Mercia, but all ruled by one king. By the end of King Edgar's reign, England was successful and prosperous, and his reign ended in 975. The country was divided into shires, another name for counties, each with its main town and a court of law. Shires were subdivided into hundreds, so-called because they contained one hundred households. King Edward, who was called Edward the Confessor, 
because of his continuous praying and confessing, reigned from 1042 to 1066. He died childless. In 1066, there were three claims to the English throne, Harold, Earl of Wessex, William, Duke of Normandy, and Harold Hardrader, the Viking king. Harold killed Harald Hardrader at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. At the Battle of Hastings, William's troops defeated Harold's troops and Harold died. He was killed by a shot in the eye with an arrow. I have sympathy towards Harold. Harold, on hearing about the Viking invasion, left London on the 16th of September and he travelled to York with an army. It took him only nine days. And on by the 25th of September, he and the Viking king battled at Stamford Bridge, known as the Battle of Stamford Bridge. He was victorious there. And while he was in York, word came to him that William had landed at Hastings. On hearing that, on the 2nd of October, he made his way to Hastings. By the 14th of October, he had traveled from York once again and was in Hastings, this time battling William, known as the Battle of Hastings. His military exploits were brilliant, but they were overshadowed by the fact that William conquered him and his ability to defeat the Vikings at the Battle of Stamford Bridge was extraordinary. But all of that, once again, was overshadowed by the fact that within a few weeks, he was defeated by William. So for those reasons, I agree with the other historians, though I am not a historian per se, but I do agree with them that he never got his full due for his ability to accomplish such an extraordinary feat at Stamford Bridge. And the fact that William conquered him kept that and has kept that throughout history in the background, but it was extraordinary. And I think he should be renowned for that because he was amazing. But what do you say about history written by the victors and William won. So it's all about William, isn't it? William and the Battle of Hastings brings us to a formal introduction of the Normans. The Vikings were originally from Scandinavia and during the 8th century they terrorized Eastern Europe including England as mentioned in earlier episodes. Some settled and cultivated their conquered lands. In 911, the Frankish king, Charles III, known as Charles the Simple, signed the Treaty of St. Clair with the Viking king, Rollo, 
who pledged feudal allegiance to the king. Rollo had the reputation of being a great Viking raider. In the treaty, King Charles III surrendered lands around Mount of Sien, what is now known as Ruhr, to the Vikings. From there, the Vikings extended their rule westwards towards Normandy. The Vikings came to be known as the Normans. From Normandy, they embarked on a campaign in Europe. The most important of these invasions was by William, Duke of Normandy, later to be known as William the Conqueror. And it is the most important to us for this um, podcast. I'm sure they did more amazing things in other places as well. Their campaigns and expeditions from Normandy led to the conquest and colonization of Italy, Sicily, England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. Apart from being conquerors, they had the ability to successfully adapt practices of the conquered. This characteristic placed them among the most successful and powerful secular rulers of the age. They seem to have an innate ability to create political institutions that were both stable and enduring. And Dan Jones, in his book, The Plantagenist, which spans from the period of 1154, when Henry II reigned, to 1413, the reign of Henry IV, attests to that endurance. Now, I believe Dan Jones is brilliant. I love history, but sometimes the books could be very hard to read, but he makes it brilliant. And his love for history and his passion, you can feel it in the books. It is brilliant. So if you're interested in the history of England, Dan Jones, I would recommend him. He also has a podcast. It is called um, This Is History. That's also brilliant. If you love history, it's worth a listen to. I promise I'm not getting paid for this. I just really think that Dan Jones is brilliant at what he does. If you didn't get it the first few times I mentioned it, I think he is brilliant, Dan Jones. But all things being set aside, his books are excellent. And if you are interested in history in any way, shape or form, is worth a read or his podcast is definitely worth a listen. Let's get back to the Vikings. Their ability to assimilate into different cultures saw the abandonment of paganism and the embracing of Christianity. The extent of the assimilation was seen in 1099 as prominent members of the First Crusade they stormed Jerusalem redeeming Christianity's most holy city. The Normans were also quick to grasp the Carolingian's feudal system, and by the 11th century, Normandy became a highly feudalized state. William I, King of England, gave his supporters land on condition they would fight for him. 
The feudal system ran from the 5th century in England and existed until it was abolished by Parliament in 1645. I will give you a very basic structure of the feudal system. Many historians will argue the term feudal not being the appropriate term to use, but for the purpose of this podcast, the term will be used. The feudal system saw the king as the absolute ruler and owner of all the lands. The king would gift the land to his supporters, usually the church, leaders and barons, seen as the tenants in common, so they would own that land given. They, in turn, they would pay taxes and they would pay homage to the king also by making available an army when he needed it. The barons would give some of their lands to the knights, who would pay homage by fighting in the barons' armies. The peasants worked the lands of the barons and the knights, and they also paid them taxes. There was no egalitarian principle in the feudal system, and at times during this podcast, we will catch glimpses of the disparity between the upper classes and the peasants. The Norman era spanned from 1066 to 1485. The records, especially that of the law, are rich and more detailed than the Anglo-Saxons. This will give us a more accurate and detailed glimpse at society and the welfare of children as we proceed. So please do join me next week as we begin our journey looking at the law and children in the Norman era. Bye.